A diet rich in the world's news is bad for you psychologically, physically, and spiritually. Consuming too much of today's news might make you better informed, but it's not going to make you wiser, at least not in the areas where you need to be wise. Feasting primarily on the news will feed your interest, but not your soul. Indeed, an overindulgence upon the world news can lead to one of the following symptoms, or more than one. Sluggishness, worry, fear, irritability, outrage, anger, sorrow, melancholy, depression, or discouragement, just to name a few in the small print. At some point, stuffed on the world's news and you're filled, filled with it, you begin to say silently to yourself or to someone nearby who will hear you, how about some good news for a change? Well, I wonder how much our life would change if we spend at least as much time as we do feeding ourselves on the world's news that we would fill ourselves with the Word of God. Would it make a significant impact on your disposition? Would it change your life in any way? I can honestly say that I've never had anyone tell me at the end of their life, you know, I wish I hadn't read and listened so much to God's Word. I wish that I'd read and studied more and been more informed about the world events. That's never happened. Just the opposite. So from Galatians chapter 1 today, I want to share with you some good news. Some good news in response to how about some good news today instead of the world. You know, when God speaks of his word of salvation, he uses a term. And the term that he uses is the word gospel. Now, what does the word gospel mean? The good news. The good news. It's the good news about Jesus, his saving ministry and work for us as sinners to be saved. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he uses this term gospel 13 times. And in the text we're about to read this morning from Galatians chapter 1, he uses it several times. As I'm reading from our text from today from Galatians chapter 1, I want you to see and identify the number of times that he uses the word gospel in the way he uses the word gospel in the reading. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let me repeat. If anyone's preaching a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God? Am I trying to be a people pleaser? If I were... I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know that the gospel I preach to you is not of human origin. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, 
Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And then drop to verse 23. They heard the report, the man, and there he's referring to Paul himself, who firmly, firmly persecuted us, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Did you count it? How many times was the word gospel mentioned? How many? Six. You sound so confident. <laughs> if you said six, you're right. Six times. How did he use the word gospel? He talks about a different gospel, not that there's any other gospel. There's only one gospel, the gospel of Christ, of which Paul says two times he preaches and proclaims it. And this gospel, this gospel is of not of hum, human origin, but it's from God himself. Six times he uses the term gospel, the good news, in reference to the saving work and ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, God calls upon us to feast upon his word, to love his word, to feast upon it. You know, the problem we have is when we eat the wrong foods, what it does to us. We lose our appetite for the right foods, don't we? We begin to crave and hunger for the things that are bad for us, for the foods that are wrong for us. God invites us in his word to taste and see that his word is good. He tells us that just as we, can, we need physical food to live, we need his word, his spiritual food, in order for us to survive and thrive spiritually as well. So a daily consumption of God's word is what helps us to nourish us, to change us, to transform us, and to equip us to do all the good things that God has called us to do according to his will. So I want us to look in this text this morning from what we've just read and see what it reveals to us about why the gospel is such good news. So let's begin in verse 3 through 5. The reason why the gospel is such good news is, is what we receive. We receive from God grace and peace from God our Father, don't we? Isn't that good news? Grace and peace from God. This peace from God is not a detente. It's not a ceasefire. It is a continual loving act of God. By faith in Christ, we are covered by the grace of God. We have peace with God. We have access to God. And God is glorified through that. And the hope that we have in him is something that lasts forever. And the reason we can rejoice in this good news is because not only have we received this grace and peace, but how we received it. We've been reconciled by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. Notice he gave himself for our what? For our sins. He reconciled us back to God and he gave himself for us. And by faith in Christ, we are now right with God, at peace with God and have his grace covering our life and our sins. But not only does Christ reconcile us, but notice very key word here, he rescues us, doesn't he? What does he rescue you from? What's the good news of the gospel? You have been rescued from the present evil age. You are no longer under the dominion, the authority, the government of the devil. You are in the dominion of Christ. You are in the kingdom of God. You are a child of God, filled with grace and peace, reconciled back to God, rescued from this evil present age. Isn't that wonderful? That's certainly good news. You know that word rescue that's used here is the same term that's used when it describes God delivering the people out of Egypt. 
His people, the Hebrew people, had been in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. And God, through the leadership of Moses, leads the people out of Egypt. He rescues them. He delivers them. And he leads them into the promise of freedom and a new land. And that's what Christ does for us, right? Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the freedom and the forgiveness and the worldview that is shaped by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, the gospel is news, good news because we receive grace and peace from God. We have Jesus as the one who reconciles us and we're rescued by him. And Paul says this is all according to the will of God. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's the best possible news that you could ever receive in your life. This good news is from God according to his will. This is the good news for Paul. This is the good news for us. This is the good news for the future. This is the good news even when this world ends. This good news will be forever and ever to the glory of God. Amen. That's why Paul writes, when you look in verse 10, the following. What does the servant of Christ do? The servant of Christ lives to please God. The servant of Christ lives to please God. In the good news, we learn the right way to live. We know the right path to take. And it's a life that is pleasing to God. You are not subject to the manipulations or to the intimidations or the pressures of the conformity of living to please other people. In fact, you know it, but to try to please other people is not pleasing at all, is it? It's inhibiting, it's fearful, it's filled with anxiety, it's debilitating to so many parts of your life. But when you learn from the gospel to live by grace through Christ to please God, you find a life that's uplifting and healthy. And that's what God calls us to do. God's way is the good news. And according to Paul in verse 11, this gospel is so great and good news because it does not come from human origins. It's not a figment of someone's imagination. It was not invented a long time ago like some ideas and religions have been. The gospel will always be the good news because it's from the will of God and it originates from God. And that's Paul's point when he goes to verse 12. I didn't receive this from man, nor was I taught it. Now, think about Paul's life. Saul had a very unique life, didn't he? If you know the story of Saul, his conversion is like out there, right? It is so unique what happens as Paul is converted, called to be an apostle of God. He is a persecutor of the church. He is on fire and zealous to destroy the good news gospel of Jesus Christ. That is his life's mission, isn't it? And yet on the road to Damascus to continue that mission into Damascus area, he has an encounter with the ascended Jesus Christ. He's blinded for three days, does not eat for three days. And during that time, Christ speaks to him. And Christ tells Paul, an ardent, zealous Jew determined to destroy the good news of the gospel, that Paul will be the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Roman world. Isn't that something? Paul is called to be an apostle of Christ. And Paul says, look, this message I got was not invented. It was not taught to me by somebody else. 
It was not taught to me by the apostle or anyone else. And he continues in verse 12, I received this from Christ himself. This was revealed to me by Christ. And Paul makes that point, not only in this letter and the other letters, that the message that he preached about Christ, this good news, is identical to the message that the apostles preached. Those apostles who had spent three and a half years living with Jesus. Same identical message. He says, in fact, it wasn't until 14 years later, after I've been involved in ministry and work in proclaiming this gospel of Christ, that I saw the apostles and I went to them and we sat down and my message of Christ was exactly the same message that they had. It was the same good news. Now, here's the point that Paul is making. This is why the gospel is so good news. It's from God. It's the will of God. It's not invented by people. It's not created by people. It's not designed by people. It's not some sort of spiritual path that was invented by people thousands of years ago. It's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. To Finally, people think, well, it's so old, it must be true. No, it's the good news. It's the good news that Paul believed. It's the good news that the apostles believed. It's the good news that you believe. It's the good news that everyone must believe in order to be saved. There is salvation found in no one else, nothing else except Christ alone. That's the good news. Now that good news, for all the reasons we've just seen, is powerful. But I want you to drop to verse 23 and see the ultimate reason why the gospel is the good news. It's transforming power in verse 23. Saul the persecutor becomes Saul the Christian. His life is absolutely transformed and changed by his faith in Jesus Christ. A transformation that just seems so impossible that the early, the Christians around him who first saw him converted did not believe it to be true. They disapproved of him. They thought he's up to some sort of trick. This can't be sincere. This can't be genuine. He must be trying to infiltrate some way the inner circle of Christian leaders and further destroy the church. This can't be real. Because the transformation was so dramatic and so sudden and so powerful. However, as time progressed and he's planting churches and he's spreading the faith of Christ, they can't say that any longer, can they? They understand that this is a life that's been transformed. As Paul said, I was a destroyer of the faith. But now I'm a promoter of the faith and spreading to anyone who will listen. And he says, I think a very important thing here. Those who used to criticize him and those who didn't think he was sincere, now they see his life that's changed and they praise God for it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the great story of the good news? Paul says elsewhere in his letters, you know, I was the chiefest of sinners I am the worst of sinners. There's never been a worse sinner than I am. And he meant it. But here was his message. If God can save a sinner like me in the worst of conditions, he can save you as well. Isn't that a great message? I tried to destroy the faith. Now I live for Christ. Christ crucified. My hope. My glory. And here's the point. You believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's transformed your life. It's changed you. You have a story to tell. When speaking to others, you can tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. So when someone comes up to you and they're stuffed and filled with the world news and said, boy, I sure could use some really good news today. You go, boy, wait, I tell you this. I got some great news to tell you about the grace and peace filled good news of Jesus Christ. 
who God through Jesus Christ has reconciled you back to him and has rescued you from this present evil danger, this present evil age. This is not a made-up story. This is not a traditional story passed down from generation to generation. This story is true. And this story, the good news, it has the power to transform your life and let you live a life that's pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. And that's what he's called us to do. Now, in this world, the rulership of this world is determined and would prefer to absolutely destroy the gospel of Christ. And if they can't destroy it, they want to stop it, hinder it, marginalize it, pervert it, corrupt it, and make it more in line with the bad news of this world. That's why Paul says in verse 6 that he's absolutely astonished at the effectiveness of the devil's strategy. Of how the devil's strategy to amend or change or corrupt the gospel is so effective that it can cause people who have found transformation power in Christ to desert it and go after someone else or something else. It's amazing to them. How many of you get too many notifications about your mobile device needing to be upgraded or updated? Man, I barely paid off one phone when they're saying it's time to upgrade to another one, you know? I used to go one, two, three, four, Apple four. I think I went from Apple six now to Apple 12, so I skipped six generations, but you know, I got off that merry-go-round. At some point, so many upgrades and so many updates, my phone wouldn't work anymore, so guess what? It worked, had to get another one, you know, so. But it's interesting, even after you get a new phone, all of a sudden you got to do these updates and these upgrades again, don't you? It's always changing, always updating. 2.0 to 14.0 and 14.1 and 16.1, whatever one you have, it's always updating, always upgrading. The gospel never, never is upgraded. The gospel, the gospel is never updated. In fact, to believe or change the gospel, to update it or to upgrade it in any way creates a different kind of gospel. It's not the same. It's an entirely different kind. In fact, here's the play on words. It's no gospel at all because the word gospel means what? A different kind is bad news. It's not good news. It becomes the false news. It becomes the bad news that creates harm and not good. And Paul says he's so astonished at the effectiveness of the devil to be able to convince us who've been transformed to desert the good news for the bad news and to follow after a different kind of gospel. Why do we do that? Why do we look for a different kind of gospel? Because the gospel of Christ is not about sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. It offends. It convicts. Most people don't want to be convicted. They don't want to be convicted. So they amend it. They dilute it. They reinterpret it to make it pleasing to the cultural norms and beliefs of the time. That was a problem in Paul's day. It's a problem in our day. And it will be a problem in future days until Christ returns. There will always be someone who will take the gospel, which shows us how to live by grace to be pleasing to God, 
and to mollify it, to live by the beliefs of the world, to be pleasing to the culture. Now, the best way I know how I'm living by the gospel and by not a different kind of gospel is to know the New Testament gospel, is to know the original. The best way to spot a fake is to know what's real. That's always the best way. And when you know in your heart the real gospel of Christ, when that which is false comes in front of you, you can identify as being false. And I want you to remember something. The devil doesn't have Devil Boulevard and Devil Village where everyone, all his followers live in that one area and he leaves the rest of us alone. <laughs> the greatest tool the devil has is to take his lies and mix them in with the truth. In Matthew 13, that's what Jesus warned us about. He talked about this parable. He said, look, the devil's like a man who at nighttime sneaks into a farmer's garden, takes some weeds and plants them among the good crop. As time goes on, the crop begins to grow and the weeds grow. And the weeds look just like the crop. They're all mixed in together. It's hard to distinguish them, hard to separate it. They're all mixed in there. But at the harvest time, there will be a separation. There will be obvious what is the weeds and what's the good fruit. And there will be a separation. Now, what Jesus is warning us there is this. There will never be a time on this earth that you'll be able to say, oh, here's all the good and here's all the bad. There's where the evil lives and here's where all the good is. The devil is intent on destroying what's good. So he will always mix his weeds into your good fruit. Now, at some point in time, at the harvest time, the judgment, Jesus says, I will separate the two. But right now, you need to understand and know that there is good fruit. Discern what it is and live by it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 4 and 11, Paul says that some go for a different kind of gospel out of greed. They want to profit from it. There's a lot of money to be made in the name of Jesus. A lot of money. And there are some people who, out of greed, pretend to be messengers of the truth, who profit from that, from the followers that follow after their different kind of gospel. By using deception and distortion as messengers of Satan, they masquerade as messengers of light. And in so doing, they blind the minds of unbelievers and blind their followers to the glorious light of the truth of the gospel of Christ and leave their followers in darkness. How does a different kind of gospel prosper? It's appealing because we don't want to be convicted. We're deceived at times by others. But it also comes from our own desires. There's something very strong within each and every one of us that we want to listen and hear what we only want to hear. Right? And not what we need to hear. So we're always pulling towards, I want to hear what I want to hear. And not what I want to hear or need to hear. Paul told Timothy that in this letter to 2 Timothy. And there in 2 Timothy said, listen, in our time and to the end of the Christian age, there will be this strong desire, this strong pull for people to want to hear people who tell them what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. They will scratch the itch in your ear 
and they will tell you what you want to hear. And in so doing, you will turn from the gospel of Christ. And you will find that gospel of Christ now to be so offensive that you will desert it to turn away from truth and to follow myths. So in Galatians 1 verse 7, back to our text, the devil cannot destroy the good news. That's impossible for him to do. But he will do everything at his disposal to hinder the gospel, won't he? Right? That's what he'll do. He will throw people into confusion with a different kind of gospel, which is no good news of all. But it's, a, it's not a freedom, but a perversion and corruption. You know, sometimes even the most faithful Christian can get disheartened by all the different brands of Christianity in our world, right? It's so confusing, all the different doctrines that sometimes contradict each other, which one to believe, which one not to believe, which one to embrace, which one not to embrace. And it's so confusing. It's just so disheartening. And see, now you're at the strategy, aren't you? That's the devil working. That's his effectiveness to use offense and profit and desires to peddle a different, deceptive, distorted gospel, different doctrines in the name of Christ in order to confuse and divide God's church. Because the devil knows if he can divide the church of God, then he can succeed in hindering the growth of the church. So how do we avoid that? Know the good news is different than the perverted gospel. Now, the word perversion and pervert today is a no-no word. Can't say in our culture. I can say it because it's in the Bible. It's a perversion. There are perversions in this world. Nineteen times in the Bible, it talks about how the bad news of this world perverts the good news of God. Here's what it says. There is perverted justice. There is perverted morals. There are perverted uh, sexuality. There's perverted ethics, perverted culture, and there is a perverted gospel. Read Romans chapter 1, starting verse 21 to the end of the chapter, and it's a perfect description of how the perversion of the gospel is created in this world. It begins, first of all, by suppressing the truth that God is the creator of all this. We're going to suppress the truth that we have a creator. Next, we're going to exchange the truth for a lie. When we exchange the truth for a lie, then those perversions of lies that lead to someone being degraded or to depravity or disobedience or shamefulness, we will honor and celebrate and approve of. And the devil works his wonders through his perverted gospel. You see, there is a big difference between the perverted gospel and the gospel of Christ. The devil takes what is pure and perverts it. Christ takes what is perverted and purifies it. See the difference? The devil perverts everything and celebrates degradation and depravity and immorality and indecency and deception and distortion and all the things that go along with it and disobedience and shamefulness and celebrates it and approves of it and says, this is the truth. This is the way we should be living. Christ says, no, in his gospel, the good news is we honor what is right and just and faithful and pure and holy and righteous, the wisdom of God, the obedience to God, and living to please God. And there's a big difference between the two. 
following a different kind of gospel, following the perverted gospel of this world will destroy you forever. Living to please God saves you. There's no other gospel. It's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that's the good news. That's why Paul says what he says in verse 8 through 9. And he says it so emphatically. It's so emphatic that it makes us step back. Oh, that's a little bit too harsh, Paul. That, that, that's coming across way too strong there. But he's emphatic about it. He says, look, I don't care if you think you had a visit from an angel. If that angel's telling you a gospel that's different than the New Testament gospel, don't listen to him. I don't care if it is an angel. I don't care if it's someone you highly esteem. I don't care if it's even from me or someone else. If you hear a different gospel than what's in the New Testament gospel, don't listen to them. But not only not listen to them, that angel will be cursed for that different gospel. That person who proclaims that different gospel will be cursed. And those who follow that angel or would follow that person to a different culture and to a different gospel will be cursed as well. This is covenant language on the part of Paul here. He says, when you accepted God's salvation plan through Jesus Christ, you received his grace and his peace. The blood of Christ bought you back into his kingdom. You've been rescued from this present age, and by grace you live to please me. You have made a covenant with me, and when you make a covenant with me, God says, there's a blessing for following it, and there's a curse for violating it. There's a blessing or a curse. Get your eyes off trying to please the culture or pleasing anybody else and put your eyes on pleasing God. He's the one that made the covenant with you. He made the promise. He kept his promise through Jesus Christ. He made the sacrifice for that covenant. He did it through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's made the promise if you will walk with him to please him, he will bless you for it. But if you desert it, you fall away from it, or you refuse it, you'll receive the curse of God at the end. And that's what the covenant language here is that God and Paul are talking about. Now listen, Paul says, no angel, no person ever has the right or the authority to ever change one word of God's word. And when they do so, they're violating God's covenant and come under the curse instead of a blessing. You know, when you look at the book of Deuteronomy and Malachi and Revelation, they all three have something in common. They all contain the blessing and the curse of God's covenant. In Deuteronomy, God tells the Hebrew people, if you follow my covenant and walk with me, I will bless you. But if you break my covenant, there will be a curse upon you. Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, and Revelation, the very last book contained in the New Testament, both end with the blessing and the curse. You follow God's way, you'll be blessed. You add to or subtract to God's gospel, you will be cursed and separated from God for eternity. That's why it's so emphatic. Because there is no different kind of gospel. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's why the gospel is the good news. We receive the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ to be saved from our sins, to be rescued from this present evil age, to be under the authority of Christ, not the authority of the devil that we can live to please God. And that power of the gospel of Christ is so powerful, it can transform a life of sin into a life that's living to please God. So the next time you've stuffed yourself on the world's news, and the next time you kind of just 
filled up to here with it, and you say, boy, I sure could use some really good news, open up God's Word. Read His gospel. You'll be encouraged. You'll be uplifted. You'll be filled with strength and renewal and refreshed with the great hope that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the good news for today. Uh, if you're listening by way of online and you would like to respond to this in any way, please write to the email address on the screen or if you're a member of this congregation, please contact your shepherd leader. If you're here this morning and you would like to speak to one of our elders about a spiritual need, please get with them after service. If you'd like to make your way to the front bench, you can do that right now. As together we stand and sing this song. <laughs>